So um, I think this is a perfect time uh, for us to quickly uh, go over our top five DC picks. Uh, the top five. If you were, if you were to go to your comic retailer tomorrow, uh, this is what I would tell you to pick up in regards to DC. At number five, we have The Flash. You just can't go wrong with The Flash. It's such a good story. It's probably as solid a book as that they've had going for the past three years. Uh, never a dull moment. Never a boring arc. Never feel dissatisfied with uh, with that product you get with the Flash. Excellent, yeah. Uh, number four, uh, we got Green Lantern. Uh, I mentioned before what they're doing with Hal Jordan and how they're developing him as a character even further than they have in the past. Uh, what I would do personally if if I were... Uh, you know, a writer for DC someday is that if I would take this badass renegade Green Lantern and I'd team him up with somebody like Lobo or something, because right now he's got no allies. But either way, getting on a tangent here, Green Lantern uh, is a perfect time right now if you're a beginning reader to pick up Green Lantern because they're taking Hal Jordan in a totally different direction that he's never been in before. Uh, so there's that. At number three, uh, I have the Justice League. Uh, the Dark Side War right now is just phenomenal, and it hasn't really started yet. Uh, they no, just, I mean, it just started going, and already so much has already happened. And uh, I cannot wait to see how that story unfolds. Uh, it's guaranteed to be action-packed. It's guaranteed to just be a phenomenal read. You're not going to want to put that one down. Uh, number two, I got Superman, because this is a new Superman that we have yet to see, where they've sort of humanized him, and there's just so many cool aspects to that. Uh, and a lot of instances where Clark Kent is just beyond heroic, doing the things that he does without the powers he used to have. Uh, and then, of course, number one, I am being slightly biased, but it really does deserve the number one, I, I think, is Batman. Uh, what they're doing right now with... Uh, Robo Bat and Jim Gordon wearing the, this new outrageous bat suit, and how we don't know what's going on with Bruce Wayne at the moment, but we know he's alive. Uh, I don't know. It just—I cannot wait to see what happens next with that. So those are my top five picks. Uh, what do you got, Holden? Well, uh, my list looks a lot like yours, although Green Lantern isn't impressing me as much as it's impressing you. Um. Everything's the same. I got number five. I got Batgirl. I feel like that run ever since uh, Cam St- uh, Stuart and Fletcher and Bab Starr started working on that book, it's just been good, lighthearted, great storytelling. I mean, they'll have they just they got it set up so they got these adventures that they'll like be one book adventures every time, but then it feeds into this overall story, and uh, it just I love the script style with that. Uh, Number four, I got the Flash. I mean, I already, I already told you all about how much I love the Flash. And then Justice League, and Superman and Batman. If it's got Superman or Batman in the title, it's probably some of the most provocative storytelling you got going on. It's real interesting, just the enormous dynamic because they're just the two biggest parts of the DCU, and they've just changed what they were. Superman's gone from being this juggernaut, this total package guy, and now they've they've nerfed him, and he's He's got to figure things out without being as powerful as he was. And now Batman, he's uh, 
is actually um, Jim Gordon, and he has to kind of learn what he's going to do as being Batman himself. And uh, and his own take on what it means to be Batman and how, right. you know, he needs to remember to uh, be his own version of Batman and not the Bruce following Bruce Wayne's footsteps quite so much. Oh, very interesting stuff here. So, um, well, we discussed books for quite some time. Uh, why don't we change gears here and let's just touch upon uh, the DC Cinematic Universe now. Um, obviously, with San Diego Comic-Con coming to a close just this past weekend, we were lucky enough to witness a couple of trailers. Interesting stuff here. Uh, the Batman vs. Superman official trailer was put out. Uh, and there was mixed reviews on that one. Uh, a lot of people hated it. I personally thought it was just awesome. Uh, what were your thoughts, Holden? Well, they uh, they certainly come out. There's a lot more content now. Uh, people, I guess, there were a lot of people who either loved or hated the Superman movie, Man of Steel. And now that this is kind of the sequel to that, people are really on the fence as far as what it is, the product that they're getting. Um, uh, in this movie, they're going to be introducing a lot of new superheroes. They're introducing the new Batman as Ben Affleck. They got... Aquaman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, I believe there's a Cyborg and a Green Lantern making an appearance. Cyborg, yes, and then there will be Green Lantern, although I haven't heard a confirmation yet uh, as to who is playing him. I've heard mixed things about Chris Pine playing Hal Jordan. I've heard of a few different actors that are going to be playing Jon Stewart. I don't know quite yet what's rumors and what's true. They haven't really... Uh, release that information yet from what I understand. Yeah, but. I mean, I really liked The Man of Steel. I was on the side where I liked it. I thought it was well done. It was good storytelling. They took themselves kind of seriously, which I liked. Um, I love Man of Steel, too. Let me tell you, that movie was so awesome. It was, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Christopher Reeve. Obviously, the first two Superman movies he made... Uh, were top notch for its time, but I have to say that Man of Steel is the best Superman flick that has ever been made. It just, they captured the story and focused on the fact that Superman is an alien and he really isn't one of us. They really focused on that a lot and I really enjoyed that, uh, cause that's the whole, you know, meat and potatoes of Superman is he is essentially I mean, I don't want to call him a god because he's not a god, but in a way, he's this godlike being that is trying to blend in with the human race, which is usually the opposite with superhero stories. It's this human that's been uh, given these powers that's, you know, sort of become, you know, bigger and, 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 and more flashier than than a normal human being. Well, in this case, it's Clark Kent trying to do the best he can to blend in. Yeah. So it's totally different, and that's why I've always enjoyed Superman, but Man of Steel captured that so well. I don't know. I think a lot of people are either loving it or they're, they're scared because, unlike Marvel has a proven formula for turning their books in here into movies now. It's just... I mean, everything they do is great. Everyone thinks that. But us, DC is kind of unproven. They haven't made a movie outside of Superman and Batman, really, that has really been much of a success. Uh, 
the Green Lantern movie that came out. It was kind of followed source material, but it, la- it lacked that certain something. And I think what they're going to do is that when these characters start meshing together and cr- start creating more of a cinematic universe, people are going to be getting on board. I mean, there's still going to be these legions of fanboys who will never be satisfied with anything. Right. But, you know, as a whole, I mean... Zack Snyder, he he's done a lot of good movies so far. He he did an excellent adaptation of uh, Watchmen. Oh, so good! Um, Watchmen was and, on point. And then Man of Steel was great. So and three hundred, and three hundred. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three hundred was just top notch. I, I loved it, uh, as well as the sequel. Um, now I got nothing to bitch about personally, uh, but from what I do understand. Uh, a lot of fanboys are aggravated at the fact that they're jamming all of these uh, marquee characters into one movie to try to rush along a Justice League production. But I've done a little bit of background research, and I don't know how accurate this is, because when you read stuff on the Internet, you never quite know whether you should believe it or not. Yeah, a lot of half-truths. Exactly. But from what I understand, a lot of these... Uh, characters that they're introducing like uh well obviously wonder woman plays a prominent role in the movie we know that from the trailer we've seen her in action but other the other characters like the flash uh cyborg aquaman uh from what i understand they just they have very small cameos in that um they're very they're at the the very beginning of introducing these characters and they're going to be expanded upon a lot more so don't get your uh panties in a bunch just yet about them rushing along the origins of these characters and jamming them into one movie because from what i understand uh in regards to the flash it's just like batman looking at some quick footage in the batcave you know cyborg uh i think he plays a little bit more of a prominent role they're showing how like you know he's kind of in in with the government uh aquaman i'm not sure how big of a role he plays but like i said uh in both suicide squad and batman vs superman a lot of it is uh batman looking at footage of some of these other superpowered beings and and just like sort of researching them at this point yeah. so so at this point in the game uh don't be overly concerned with the fact that uh, they're rushing things along too much and not building their cinematic universe properly. I would personally just wait and see what BVS looks like, what Suicide Squad looks like, and then go from there. Uh, so uh, speaking of Suicide Squad, uh, that sort of teaser trailer was also leaked and now officially released because of the leak. Uh, although sometimes I feel like they do that on purpose. Yeah, it, it, sometimes it really feels like they're the ones who are leaking their own stuff. And then somehow that draws more buzz to whatever it is everyone's looking at. Yeah. Well, either way, um, I know they don't have a lot of footage yet. They they, they didn't start... Uh, it wasn't long ago when they started uh, shooting this thing. But what they do have, uh, I thought it was like very uh, realistic... Uh, very believable. I liked the way they did up most of the characters. I thought Jared Leto's Joker was very well done in regards to the voice and the acting part of it. Um, not a fan of the stupid tattoos, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, that's just not how I see the Joker. Uh, but I think I can move past that. Uh, it's not a big enough, uh, qualm for me to not 
want to see the movie, that's for sure. Yeah, well, my only concern with the movie when I heard about it and I heard that the Joker was going to be in it is... Well, the Joker is just such a crazy, chaotic force that he can't be tamed. And I was like, if you're going to put him on the Suicide Squad, no one is going to buy that. But from the way that things look, I think he's going to be like the major heel in the, or major villain in the movie. And then that the Suicide Squad is going to be the one trying to deal with the Joker. And I, well, could, I could actually see that as a possibility. You're actually right about that. Um, what happens, and once again... We don't want to believe everything we hear on the internet, but from all the articles I've read, they pretty much say the same thing, where uh, Amanda Waller assembles the Suicide Squad uh, to hunt down the Joker because she wants to get to Batman. She's sick of Batman's shit, and she also knows that Batman is the key to finding the other super-powered beings that are out there uh, that no one knows a heck of a lot about at this point in time. So she uses the Suicide Squad to hunt down the Joker because the Joker seems to be the only person who has had face-to-face contact with the Batman that can actually talk about it. So I think, you know, and, and, and that scene in the trailer where they show, uh, the guy with the, like, Batman, the animated Batman mask, like, shooting the guns against the Suicide Squad, like, that's the Joker right there. I saw the, uh, you know, the, the images on set, they took pictures of that scene being shot. And uh, the Joker, ironically enough, is wearing that Batman mask just, just to mess with people. So, uh, no, I believe you're correct on that. The Joker is the major heel, which makes a lot more sense than him being on the team. Because he was never a part of the Suicide no. Squad. Well, as, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, if he's on the team, I already hate the movie. Oh, same here. Same yeah. here. I was distraught for over a week about that until I started doing a little more research and realizing uh, the background info. Now, the cool part about uh, this storyline, if it is, I mean, it seems like this is going to be the main storyline to the film, is uh, they show this footage from supposedly back, you know, it's almost a flashback of Batman... uh, He's on the roof of the Joker's car. The Joker's driving this sports car. Harley Quinn's sitting in the passenger seat. And he's, like, ripping the roof up, or he's punching the roof down under the car and, and, and to try to apprehend the Joker and Harley. Now, Amanda Waller is looking at this footage to try to show, uh, you know, the rest of Argus what kind of threats they're dealing with here in Batman and Joker and, like, these just these dangerous people that are out there that have nothing to do with the government, you know, and they're not controlled. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see, like, oh, so they're taking the timeline and they're kind of fast-forwarding it a little bit to where they can actually do flashbacks of the Batman, Batman-Joker battles and previous, you know, uh, you know, it's almost like as if time has been allotted for, you know, a decade or so and Batman and Joker have already been at each other's throats for a while and, uh... Now the government is finally realizing that, you know, this Batman guy, who the, who the hell does he think he is? And look at all the damage he's causing. we got to get rid of him. And, oh, it looks like this Joker guy is the only one who seems to know about him. All right, let's send a team after him. In fact, let's, seem, let's send a team of villains after them so if anything bad happens, we don't have to be held responsible. So, no, I think it's going to be... Because of the way they set up the storyline, I think it, it, it follows the source material to a certain extent where it's believable. And uh, I think if you 
if you don't nitpick too much, I think it's going to be a really awesome film. It looks like it is going to be really good. So, um, just to uh, conclude our little segment on the DC Cinematic Universe, I want to mention some of the other upcoming DC films. Now, we're talking, you know, for three, four, five years down the road now, so don't don't get too excited. But they did announce that the next Green Lantern movie, uh, solo movie, will be called uh, Green Lantern Corps. I'm not sure if it's going to be a John Stewart story or a Hal Jordan story or both. Well, with or, a name like that, that might include everybody. That might get Kyle Rayner, yeah. Gardner, uh, John Stewart, of course Hal. Um, I mean, you're going to do something like that. Why? Why? You're probably going to cast somebody for each and every one of those roles. Now, whether the, the good big question is, are they going to try to get Ryan Reynolds back to be Hal Jordan, or are they just going to recast every Green Lantern? I have a feeling we're not going to see Ryan Reynolds don the Green Lantern suit again. Uh, every interview I've seen of him talking about Green Lantern. Now, I personally, as a Green Lantern fan, I enjoyed the, the movie. I enjoyed the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie. I thought it was good. I I can see why, if you don't read the source material and you're not a fanboy, why it might seem a little hokey. Maybe it didn't get good reviews in the box office. Maybe the acting wasn't up to snuff. I don't know, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But Ryan Reynolds, uh, he's done nothing but shit on it since the movie got bad reviews. I think that's part of that is just keeping his reputation up. But um, oh, I mean, I think he's he accepted the role without reading the script, and that's just something you shouldn't do anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I heard. But I mean, it wasn't that bad. It's just that. Movies based on comics have an enormous, this, these enormous expectations. They're, they spend millions of dollars on CGI and special effects and everything else. And when they come in, and if the public comes in and they don't necessarily love the product that they're watching, then everyone freaks out. And I mean, the, the movie itself is good. I, it really followed a lot of the source material. But their issues is they're having issues making something that Joe off the street can just come and watch without being familiar with 25 years worth of stories. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, that's something that I think, uh, once you get like those pro storytellers from DC on, on a script, uh, I'm not sure who's going to be writing Green Lantern Corps, but, uh, they can, they can try to make that easier for the layman to uh, enjoy the film too so it's not just the fanboys that understand everything because there's a lot of background information names of planets names of characters uh, the guardians there's a lot of information you need to know about Green Lantern before you can go and enjoy a Green Lantern movie I feel yeah so, I mean geez they got a Green Lantern for every sector in the universe and it must seem like there's a hundred of them and they all pop up in the books all the time so, yeah, I think a big part of that will be the writing, and another big part of that will be the CGI, which will only keep getting better. So we got that to look forward to. We also, they, they have announced uh, a solo Wonder Woman movie, a solo Aquaman movie, and just this past week at Comic-Con, they announced that a solo, the next solo Batman movie uh, uh, is going to start being written by Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns. Uh, obviously you put Jeff Johns on a script, it's gonna be good. 
plus Ben, you put Ben Affleck working on the script too. I mean, you got two pros right there that know yeah, how to well, put together a good story. Ben Affleck, proven director, proven actor. Um, Jeff Johns came to DC and pretty much rehabbed a lot of the big characters. When he came in, he he went ahead and he brought Barry Allen back as the Flash. And Which everyone like, loves. I th- I personally feel like most people see the Flash as Barry Allen. You of course you're gonna have those golden age old time fans that well, no, are gonna I mean, see Jay Garrick. There was you, a period of time in uh from from Crisis to Infinite Earths, the Barry Allen Flash was dead. Was, was gone from the continuity for 25 years. It was Wally West. And a lot of people grew up with Wally West. Yeah, so you have you have that you have the Wally West camp too. Uh, but I, I'm personally I'm 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 for Barry. I'm a Barry Allen guy. Yeah, I'm, no, uh, I, I like Barry. I like everything about him. But uh, anywho, um, so then, if uh, if if we if we have. Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns writing this. Um, what we're probably going to have is the best Batman movie we've yet to see. I can, I'm already saying it. Uh, but expect it to be a lot like Jeff Johns' Earth 2. Uh, expect to see uh, Carmine Falcone duke it out with the Penguin. Expect to see Killer Croc. Expect to see a much more badass version of Alfred, which I think we're already going to get in Batman vs. Superman. Um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like once that solo Batman movie uh, hits the box offices, it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Well, I mean, uh, Batman movies as a whole have been great. I think they learned their lesson from Batman Forever and the Batman Robin flick um, from years <laughs> ago. They're pretty much... Holy smokes, Batman! It's a hockey team from hell! Jeez! Holy paper hat, Batman. Yeah. Cool party! Chill out! Go buy my action figure! <laughs> and then you had that Bane that was just... It almost destroyed the character of Bane. How he was just randomly uh, Poison Ivy's henchman that mm. didn't talk. And it was just... ugh. Big dumb muscle. George... It's just not Bane's character <laughs> at all. Now, George Clooney himself actually uh, has admitted uh, quite a few times in public that that is the only role that he has ever regretted taking was the, the role of Batman, and rightfully so, because he was the silliest Batman. Uh, he was Nipple Man, I like to call him. That bat suit with the, the plastic nipples on it. It's just, I don't know. The whole movie was just a, a turd. But um, moving on to the last segment of our cast, if we could, um, we discussed the DC Cinematic Universe, but there's also a very interesting and very intricate DC TV universe as well. And within that, uh, we have shows like uh, Arrow, uh, The Flash. Uh, we have an upcoming uh special show that's going to air this fall called Legends of Tomorrow that we'll get into for a few minutes, and also a new Supergirl series that is going to be kicking off. Now, there's uh, a couple other uh, uh, shows that I like to rope in with this that aren't necessarily part of this TV universe, like Gotham and Constantine, which was canceled, uh, so we'll touch upon that too. But first, let's talk about the show that started everything. Let's talk about Arrow for just a few minutes, because... Uh, that's probably, it, it's tough. It always goes back and forth with me between Arrow and Flash. Like, you know, which show's my favorite? Uh, and they're both just so phenomenal. Uh, so, uh, Arrow, uh, season one, 
the origin of Oliver Queen. It was done gracefully. It was done uh, very accurately. I mean, it was changed up a little bit from the source material, but not too. It didn't deviate too too much. Um, season one was great. It uh, we encountered a lot of like awesome rogues, such as uh, Count Vertigo, Huntress, Deadshot, uh, Bronze Tiger, uh, what have you, and uh, things just got better and better from there. See, by the time season two rolled around, um, I, which, by in my opinion, is the best season they've had yet. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna have to agree with you there. Exactly. Uh, um, his feuds with Deathstroke and uh, Brother Blood, uh, but particularly Deathstroke and what he does to Starling City. It's just, it was one of the most epic things that I have ever seen on TV, personally. Uh, season 3, uh, there have been a lot of qualms in regards to Season 3. A lot of people didn't like it. Never really seen it yet. I prefer to wait for everything to come out all at once and then just watch it all on Netflix. Yeah, you know, no, I like binge. A weekend in sweatpants and eat popcorn and stuff like that. That's how to do it, yeah. Uh, now, I didn't have too much of a problem with season three. It weighed heavily with the uh, League of Assassins and Ra's al Ghul and all that jazz. And uh, Oliver Queen is forced to... Uh, do a trial by combat with Ra's al Ghul, which of course is Ra's al Ghul's thing. You gotta fight him if you want, and then he kills you. Uh, but obviously Oliver Queen doesn't die, and then he comes back at the end and he infiltrates the League, and I know I'm giving away some spoilers here. Uh, you know, the season is over though. Oh, sorry. <laughs> the season is over, so if you haven't seen it, earmuff it for a second. But, uh, you know, his character changed so much in season three. A lot of people didn't like it because he was really, for the last six to ten episodes of the season, he was a heel. Uh, he was, you know, it, it was all because he was trying to save his team and save Starling City. He had to infiltrate that League of Assassins to make Ra's al Ghul think that he was going to be his successor. Uh, when in fact he was just looking for the right time to attack Roz and, uh, you know, make sure that Starling City was secure. But there was a lot of big changes in season three that I know a lot of fanboys didn't agree with. Uh, big one being, uh, Thea Queen becoming, uh, the Red Arrow. Uh, I didn't what they call her? Speedy, right? Well, Oliver still calls her Speedy, but she's calling herself the Red Arrow. Uh, I don't know. It is what it is. I don't really have a big deal with it. Then uh, Roy Harper takes off because he has to uh, cover for Oliver, you know, when they go to a, a det- uh, Captain Lance. is, You know, he's back to hunting down uh, the Arrow because uh, he's all butthurt about not knowing about the death of his daughter Sarah and, uh, you know, obviously Roy takes the blame for that, and then Roy leaves, uh, leaves Starling and takes off. Uh, Thea finds him, and then Oliver and Felicity get together at the end, and they take off, uh, and it sort of leaves the viewers kind of hanging. They don't know, you know, alright, is he done being a vigilante? What the hell does season four have in store? Well, apparently, 
season four, what, he he turns from the the arrow into the green arrow. That's the big that's the big change. And it's actually I've taken a look at the new outfit. Uh, it looks really cool. It really does. It looks straight out of the comic book right now. Uh, they sort of mimics the comic book uniform that he's wearing, uh, which is pretty cool. It's a little bit of an upgrade that they gave him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be operating out of Seattle for season four or if he's still going to be in Starling City. Uh, I met, I saw, uh, when he did his, uh, Comic Con, uh, entrance there that he was calling it Star City. So, once again, uh, there's a lot of questions about what season four has in store, but, uh, I'm still hopeful for Arrow being a good, you know, a really good, awesome, uh, comic related show for at least another couple seasons, uh, with the changes that have ensued in season three. Uh, let's move on a little bit and talk a little bit about The Flash, uh, cause that was just an unbelievable, phenomenal series, uh, this year as well. Uh, told the story of Barry Allen as The Flash, uh, just so well. Um, there wasn't much that was deviated from the source material. Uh, they even did a little bit of a callback to Flashpoint at the end of the season where Barry tries to go back to save his mother's life. And he's, it's, it, there's this one scene that really grabbed me. Uh, when he goes to save his mother, he, he travels back in time, and he sees himself as a boy, like, standing, you know, next to his mother. He sees Professor Zoom or Reverse Flash or whatever, uh, about ready to, uh, stab his mother. And then he sees the other version of himself that was chasing reverse flash. And it's like the other version of himself, like, gives him a wave, like, in the middle of all that. And it's just chills went up my spine. It was just the coolest. It, it was just such, the show is unbelievably written. Uh, if, like I said, it follows the source material very well. Uh, what they did with Grodd, uh, in the sewer, where he almost killed Flash, that was really awesome. They've introduced a, a ton of great rogues. Uh, speaking of the rogues, uh, they've introduced most of the rogues now. Uh, Captain Cold, Heat Wave, uh, what's, uh, Captain Cold's sister? Golden Glider. Is that, uh, Glider. Glider. Glider, yeah. Okay. Um,. Weather Wizard, pretty much everyone except for Mirror Master. Mirror Master uh, is apparently going to be uh, introduced in Season 2, along with Zoom. Uh, Grodd will be back for Season 2 as well, so I've heard. Um, and then you got uh, some, some of the other characters like Cisco Ramon, who everyone's just dying to see him turn into Vibe. You know, when's that going to happen? And then, uh, uh, what was the name of that other doctor she turns into Killer Frost? Uh, yeah, Caitlin Snow, who, uh, has been confirmed that she will be, uh, turning, uh, evil into, turning into Killer Frost, uh, as another main villain for season two. So, uh, you know, not to expose too much from the series, because I know there's a lot of people that are still going to want to be binge watching it. it. It really was the series for the past year. It was just, I couldn't wait each week just to sit down and watch it at night. It was just so cool. Um, but between Arrow and Flash and all the characters that have uh, spruced up in those two 
series, uh, such as characters like The Atom and Hawk Girl and all these characters, uh, they're doing something really cool with a lot of these side characters from these two series, and they've created uh, a brand new series that's debuting this fall, and I'm not sure if it's just going to be a one-season deal, like just a special one-season show, or if it's going to be like a continuing thing, but they created something called Legends of Tomorrow. Now, I happen to know the background story for this. Um, essentially what happens is Rip Hunter, who is a time traveler, he travels back in time to find these ex- people with extraordinary abilities, people like uh, the Atom, uh, Hawk Girl, um, Captain Cold and Heatwave, oddly enough, who are typically heels, but uh, he recruits them for this special mission. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else is involved. Oh, uh, Sarah Lance as the White Canary. She uh, gets revived via Lazarus Pit, and she is uh, part of the team as White Canary. Um, I know I'm missing people. Either way, this group of extraordinary people uh, are brought to the future by Rip Hunter to fight uh, a force of extraordinary power. Uh, I happen to know already what that force is. It's uh, a little something called Vandal Savage. But uh, I don't want to give away a heck of a lot. All I know is this series is going to really be something special. It's going to be something worth watching. It just looks so cool. I just saw the little teaser they put out. Good stuff. Really good stuff. And uh, this brings me to the the last uh, up-and-coming TV show that I just want to plug real quick. Uh, DC has also uh, released a Supergirl series. Melissa Benoist is Supergirl. Uh, I don't know a ton about this, but I do know uh, they've cast... Certain villains, such as Maxwell Lord, Livewire, a couple others. I mean, she looks great in the Supergirl outfit. And I mean, not that, you know, most women would probably look good in that outfit. It's it's pretty, uh, you know... Pretty sexy. standalone and sexy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to watch it because I'm interested to see uh, see what it's about. And I actually kind of want to learn a little bit more about Kara L uh, as a character, a super, Superman's cousin from Kandor. Uh, should be exciting stuff. So um, just real quick, the couple of shows that were not directly linked to DC TV universe, but are definitely worth mentioning. Uh, Gotham had a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of people, a lot of hardcore Bat fans did not like it because uh, of the mishaps they had with continuity. You know, it's very hard to take a Batman story and essentially tell a Batman tale without Batman being in it. Uh, basically, for anyone who hasn't seen Gotham, it's about the early days of Gotham before Batman... Uh, you got Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock, played by Ben McKenzie and Donald Logue, as the two main characters. And they've encountered some major villains from the Batman realm so far. Uh, they've encountered Black Mask. They've obviously encountered the Penguin and the Riddler. The Riddler, uh, I didn't really like the way they had him uh, as like the forensics guy on the Gotham City Police Department. That has never been a Riddler origin story, to my knowledge. Uh, but, you know, 
Well, you, I mean, they got to have kind of some creative freedoms with the stuff. You can't. I mean, if you're going to make a show that's having to do with Batman but not directly about Batman, then you're going to have some issues. Yeah, and that's it. It's just important not to nitpick too much if you want to enjoy the show because it really was, even if you take away all of the uh, Batman folklore I mean, and just watch it as a standalone show, it was just a really good crime show. It really was. I, I loved it. I loved how they portrayed uh, the Falcone and Maroney crime families. I thought Robin Lord Taylor was amazing at the Penguin. He kind of carried the show. Uh... Even Jada Pinkett Smith with the character they made for the show, uh, Fish Mooney, I thought, I thought she was good. I thought she, I thought everyone was good in the show. Uh, overall, you know, as a Bat fan, uh, not many qualms about it except for the small continuity, continuity mishaps. Um, and then last but not least, we mentioned that, uh, Constantine has been officially canceled and that is a huge bummer because, uh, it was just so well done. Yeah, I'm just kind of surprised Netflix didn't pick it up. I guess it didn't have that much of a following, I guess. Then once again, I really think that is directly correlated to uh, the time slot that they were given. Because Matt Ryan was just such an awesome Constantine. I mean, who did we have to go off of before him? We had Keanu Reeves, yeah, was who was horrible. Nothing like the source material. He's not even British. He didn't even yeah. have... You know, blonde hair or anything, but I could even move past that if he was any good. Well, then they even they did like most Constantine stories are either based in New York City or, or somewhere within the UK. Yeah, and it wasn't either of those things. I mean, I, in, in itself, I had, if I didn't know anything about the source material, I would have said that the movie was okay. But otherwise, it was just kind of a head scratcher after you kind of realize the rich history and. How big of a scumbag, wise ass, like charming dickhead that like Constantine actually is, and you just realize that uh, the movie that they did just could have been so much more. Oh, absolutely! But uh, you know, when uh, when the TV series first debuted, I thought, "Wow, they finally nailed it! They finally are telling this story properly, the way it's supposed to be told." And then. Lo and behold, it's canceled. And, uh, know. Stephen Amell from, uh, who plays Arrow actually said, you know, he was trying to help save the show. He said, I'll cameo on it as much as possible to save that show. Uh, but still, lo and behold, uh, what can you do? You can't win them all, but, uh, I will still pick up the, uh, the DVD just because I love this, the show so much myself. Um, so I think that wraps up uh, pretty much everything we uh, needed to talk about and go over in regards to the DCU today. I didn't miss anything, did we? Oh, jeez. We, we've been going for a while. This is like twice as long as the last one. Yeah. Well, if we have to do make it a two-parter, I mean, we can certainly do that. Um, eh, post-production conversations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I suppose this would be the time in the cast where we bid you adieu. If you've been listening this far along, uh, just uh, feel free to email us at uh, thevigilantgeek at gmail.com, and we will uh, send you a complimentary lollipop in the mail. Just leave your address at the bottom of the email. Where are we um, going to get all the lollipops? Oh, we take them from the bank. Everyone knows that. Oh, all right. <laughs> so um, I am Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media. And I am Holden Orm. 
And uh, we appreciate you listening today. And stay tuned for next week where we delve in much deeper into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We didn't spend enough time on that last time. So uh, we will provide you with much more info on that for next week's cast. All right. Once again, these are uh, I am Andrew Puzak. This is Holden Orm. We are Vigilant Geek Media signing off. Thank you and stay vigilant.